grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series called The Storyteller, The Parables of Jesus. Pastor Sean is teaching from Luke chapter 15 and it's one you've heard of many times, but this time from a different angle. It's the parable of the prodigal son. But there's another son in this story that gets left out many times. But have you ever wept over someone who's lost and destroyed their life? If so, how is God inviting you to join him in his plan of redemption? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. As today, it's part one of the message called A Tale of Two Sons. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Series is called Storyteller. We've watched Jesus walking through these what what were, they're called parables, but they're stories designed to teach a lesson. And we've seen that what Jesus is doing is he puts us in the middle of these truths. Okay, he doesn't just tell us a truth. Okay, it's not just okay. You should love your neighbor, and so you know. Okay, well let's go love our neighbor. No, he tells us the Good Samaritan, and he puts us in, and we look at it through all these different facets. And lenses and lets us see the different colors and nuances. He told those stories in settings where the people of his day who were his hearers would have completely understood. They would have been able to relate. They would have seen things that were similar. And so he was a storyteller, a powerful storyteller. And we're going to look at a story this morning that talks about how we respond to sin. And this is a big conversation because, honestly, in our culture, we've lost the ability to talk about sin. We, we, we don't have a framework. In fact, we're not even sure we should talk about it. Some, we get squeamish about the idea of mo- the moral authority to talk about sin. How do, what do we do with it? Do we judge it? Do we, just, do we ignore it? Do we forgive it? How do we handle sin? Because the Bible says all of sin that falls short of the glory of God. I, I've told you before, I had the kind of dubious distinction of helping a church walk through uh, an issue of church discipline with a pastor who had had a moral failure. Just because of some circumstances, I was asked to come in and meet with the board, and it was discouraging. And, and it, I'm, I'm talking beyond the pastor's moral failure and what he did, how this board responded, because it was a good-sized group of leaders, and half the board wanted to, like, just kill the guy. And I, I don't mean literally, but they just wanted to cut him off, get rid of him, he screwed up, get him out. That was kind of their, their attitude. And the spirit. The other half were kind of like, well, you know, we all sin, we all fail. Who are we to judge? You know, just he said he's sorry, so let's just move on. I'm like, oh my gosh. Does nobody know how and this is a church, this was a large church. Does nobody know how to actually deal with sin and discipline for the purpose of restoration? Yes, it's true, the man needed to be removed from his position. But those elders, the, the idea is they should have formed a circle around that pastor. And the idea is we're going to bring discipline, because that's what the word tells us to do. He is going to be removed, but our goal is the goal of restoration of a brother. The goal of restoring the person, the goal in their relationship with the father, the goal in making sure the marriage is preserved and restored, the goal of walking through the process and one day seeing him restored to that place of God's calling and leadership. And the idea is you should form a circle around him. And the message to anybody is, you want to get to him, you got to come through us. 
we are going to bring discipline. We are going to deal with this biblically. But we're going to do it in the loving confines of a Christian community. We're not going to kind of try to destroy them. And it's because we don't know how to deal with sin. We don't don't know how to deal with a world where people fail. And the story we're going to look at today addresses it head on. I've called the message A Tale of Two Sons. You'll know immediately where I'm going. The setup is really important. The beginning of Luke chapter 15, look at these first few verses. It's really important now that now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. No, not them. I mean, the tax collectors and sinners. And we talked about tax collectors before. There was this sense of, of they were traitorous because they were fleecing the people on behalf of Rome. And the sinners, they were all drawing near to hear him. Something about Jesus' ministry was different. They were drawn to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them this parable. Wait a minute. Who's them? Who did he tell the parable? The Pharisees and the scribes. It's very important to recognize the audience. Okay? These Pharisees and scribes are grumbling because they tried to maintain this distance. They felt they would be tainted. They would be defiled by sinful people. And Jesus was open and receptive to them, sharing the love and the redemption and the forgiveness of Father. And so they grumbled and said, this man receives sinners, he eats with them. So he told them, the Pharisees and the scribes, this parable. Very important distinction. Now you remember where it went, because he told them actually three parables, two very brief and then a longer one. The first was about lost sheep. He kind of looked at them and said, well, wait a minute, well, which one of you, if you had 100 sheep and you lost one, wouldn't leave the 99 and go find that one? And then when you found him, you'd come home and rejoicing. And you tell everybody, look, I found him, because they matter. And, and then he tells a story, he says, or, or it's like a woman who's lost a coin, and she turns on the lights and she goes and sweeps every corner looking for it. I think it's interesting that he chose a woman for that. Because the guys are like, they look a little bit, ah, oh, it's not worth it, forget it. You know? The woman's like, oh no, that's mine. Okay? And so she's going after it, right? And he tells a story, he says she finds it, and when she finds it, she calls her friend, and she's joyful. Hey, I found it. There's rejoicing. And the third story was, again, probably one of the more well-known, if not the most well-known parable that Jesus told. It's beginning in Luke 15, chapter 11, and here's what it says. And he said, Jesus said, he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, stop. Okay, we understand the idea of inheritance. We understand. In this culture, inheritance was a big deal. The older son would have gotten a little more of an inheritance because he had the responsibility to take care of the family and the family's holdings. They would have each had some personal, but there would have been this sense of the family holdings. He would have had a little more responsibility in. But the younger one goes, and, and ordinarily this inheritance happens when dad is either dead or at least he's invalid and unable to care for it anymore. And then that would have been done. So he's coming when dad's alive. Hey, I want my inheritance. Now, I don't know about you. Um, what would your dad have done if you would have done that? Because my dad would have enlightened me in ways that I can't describe right here for you nice people on a Sunday morning. He would have shared some things that I can't say here. He would have let me know that's not going to happen. Okay? But this father divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Now, we're not told specifically what reckless living, at least not here. Later on, we're given a clue. 
And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. Stop. These are Jews. Pigs were unclean. The idea of him having to go work and take care of pigs. Jesus is giving this picture of a guy who has hit rock bottom. Okay, not only is he having to demean himself, and not only is he having to do whatever he can just to put some food in his belly, but he's having to defile himself to do it. He sent him in a field to feed his pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. In other words, he's doing this despised job, and he's not even making enough to, to feed himself. He's literally hungry. He's starving in the midst of working this horrible job. But when he came to himself, in other words, he came to his senses, he said, well, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here for hunger? He says, I'll arise and I'll go to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And when he arose, he came to his father. It's just, let's just stop there. So he gets so hungry. He gets so desperate. He says, I'll go back to my father. But he has no anticipation of grace. It's a very important note. He doesn't expect grace or love. He he doesn't believe he deserves it. He's trying to come back on the basis of merit. He says, well, I'm a servant here. My father's servants have enough to eat. They're doing way better than we are here. I'll go back to him and just say, Father, make me like one of your servants. I don't deserve to be your son. So he's not expecting grace. He's coming on the basis of merit. He wants to earn it. I'll become a servant. And you just give me no more than you give any of the other servants. So he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, I love that phrase, his father saw him and he felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him. And he kissed him, not what he expected. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What's fascinating is you can tell he's giving the exact same little speech word for word, so he practiced it on the way home. You ever done that? You ever had a difficult conversation, yet you practice in the car, and you're kind of giving it to someone, or you're telling someone, or you're making your case, and then you look over at the guy next to you in the car, next to you is looking at you like, what is, who are you talking to? And you try to play it cool. Well, he had done that exact thing. He had, on his way home, he had kind of rehearsed. He gives his little speech, I'm no longer to be worthy to call your son. Remember, there's more to the speech. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. He doesn't let him finish his little speech. I love that. It's like he hugs him, he embraces him. The son is trying to get out this little kind of thing of, I know I don't deserve to be son, but you, you can make me one of your servants. The father's not even listening. He, he, he loves him. He's so happy. He calls the servant, bring a robe, bring a ring, bring sandals for his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat. And let us celebrate. For this, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to celebrate. Now, if you followed the pattern and form of the first two parables that Jesus told, the the lost sheep and the lost coin, it would stop here. But I want to say to you, this parable is just getting started. It's just getting started. He doesn't stop there. And and this part we're about to read is not a tag-on. We treat it like a tag-on. It's not. I want to suggest this is the point. Now we're getting to the good stuff. 
And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called A Tale of Two Sons, in the series The Storyteller, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org with Senior Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called The Heart That Forgives, in the series The Storyteller which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, find that Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, A Tale of Two Sons. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Now his older brother was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Well, he said to him, your brother's coming, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. It's like good news. Uh, But he was angry. He refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. He begged him, but he answered his father, Look, all these many years I've served you, I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, how did he know about the prostitutes? Is he getting word? Is he hearing about it? Don't know. We just know we're getting a little more detail than what the reckless living meant. He's devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed a fatted calf for him. It was an honor, the fatted calf, that celebration. It was something that was for very special occasions. And his father said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you'd speak to us. Let us hear you. More than anything else, I pray that you would let us hear and feel your heart. And I pray that that heart would penetrate us. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So dad's not dead yet. The entitled younger son comes and says, give me the inheritance. And he blows it all and ends up feeding pigs. He becomes hungry. And that's significant. Verse 16, how he became so hungry. Hunger was what drove him to go home. See, this idea of hunger, probably in this room, not a lot of us have experienced that kind of hunger, real hunger. Yeah, we've been hungry, but not many of us probably have experienced that kind of starvation type of hunger. But we are all hungry for something. 
We've, we all know the feeling of having a hunger in our spirit, in our heart, a hunger somewhere deep inside of us that longs to be filled, and so we go different places to try to get it filled. Hunger is a powerful motivator. And it was his hunger that led him home. Now, I want you to, if, if you have your Bibles, look at verse 12, because this is something I've, I've kind of breezed over a lot of times as I've read through this parable. Remember, the younger son said to his father, this is verse 12, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Look at the next phrase. It says, and he divided his property between them. He divided his property between them. Both brothers received their inheritance at that point. See, we know that this is a story of inheritance wasted, right? But it's not one inheritance that was wasted. It's two. It's two inheritance that were totally wasted. One on reckless living and one in a very different way. Remember who Jesus was speaking to and why. He's speaking to religious people. He's speaking to them and saying, you've been given an inheritance, but you don't even understand it. You don't even realize it. That's the point of the story. There's two inheritances. I wonder what that older brother's process was like. I'd love to see kind of more of him. Our creative team took a swing at it and uh, put together a video to help us kind of see a little bit of how he might have perceived the events. Take a look. I know exactly what he's going to do. He always does the same exact thing. He'll come home, he'll be crying, just, just, just a performance of a lifetime. Melodrama. And my dad is just going to eat it up. Hey, Mark, don't you want something to eat? I don't understand. Every time that we talk, it just feels like I did something wrong. Like I didn't have a rebellious phase, so I made a mistake. I didn't leave home, I decided to stay and take care of the thing that you spent your life building. Everything I've done, the blood, the sweat, it's been for you, for this family. And now, he comes back. And, and you act like he's some sort of celebrity. What do I have to do? What, what, what do I have to do? I have to go off to Las Vegas and spend all your money? I don't get it. I just feel like I'm whining, complaining, but how do I tell him that his own family is only ever going to disappoint him? And now I feel disappointed in him, in my own father, because he can't get over the fact that one of his sons has just gone astray. Mark, you know that I love you, right? I've always loved you. You've been here for me to love you. Everything that I own is yours. Your brother, on the other hand, he come back. He's come back to stay. Isn't that worth celebrating? you and see i think that's what the whole story is about he doesn't understand his father 
they didn't understand the father. They missed it. They'd been given an inheritance. And they missed it. We've been given an inheritance. And if we're not careful, we can miss it. See, he's talking about the problem of joyless, purposeless Christian life. Where we miss the whole point. This is a story not of one lost son. It's a story of two lost sons. One was lost in reckless living. Far from the father. But thankfully he came back. The other was lost in pride. Lost in duty. Lost in self-righteousness. And in judgment. And the story never gives us any indication of him coming back. That's who Jesus was really talking about. It wasn't about one lost son. It was about two. Two sons given an inheritance. Neither of them understood it. One blew it by just squandering it and missing the whole point of Father's gift. And the other blew it with resentment and anger and bitterness. Because... His brother was out having all the fun. He was doing the right thing. It doesn't seem like anybody noticed. And I wonder if we've ever felt that way. I wonder if we've ever looked at someone, maybe, who's far from God, and we see them sowing seeds, bad seed, broken seed, and gotten resentful because that harvest hasn't come in. And here we are doing the right thing. Something had happened in us. And Jesus is warning against that kind of thing. See, they didn't understand the inheritance. Here's the main point of the whole story. God loves lost people, and he wants us to do the same. The inheritance is love. The inheritance is his love, his grace, and his mercy poured out on every one of us. His inheritance was love poured out on both his sons. And neither of them understood. See, we're filled with his spirit. We should also be filled with his love That's the legacy. That's the gift. God loves lost people. And he wants us to do the same. And in that we find life. If we instead make lost people the enemy, if we end up pointing our fingers and we become angry and bitter, and we get this us and them thing going with lost people, we miss the whole point. God loves lost people. And he wants us to do the same. Luke 19.10 Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the whole point. Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 2 Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. His desire is that none would be lost, that none would perish but that every single person on the face of the planet would come to repentance and find the life and fulfillment. Because that's what lostness means. Lostness means we are outside of what God created for, and we've created this barrier. Sin has created a barrier between us and Father. And we are not living the life we were created for. Something When we're far from God, something in us knows we were created for something more. That's the problem. That's what lostness is. That word perish... Not wishing that anywhere perish. We have a hard time with that. This really puts us at a little crisis of what do we believe. Because we don't like to talk about hell a lot. Right? Some of you are like, oh, Sean swore in church. He said hell. 
But we, we get all freaked out. and It's like, oh, I, I, you know, I've heard too much hellfire and brimstone. I, I want to suggest to us maybe we haven't heard enough. Maybe we haven't heard enough. The scripture is, is crystal clear. Look what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. He says, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I want you to know these are the same words in the original language. We love to talk about eternal life. That's good. That's good news. That's the good news God created us for eternal life, and it's absolutely true. But there is an eternal punishment that sin creates, and those who reject him are destined for eternity separated from him and the bible talks about this place called hell look what jesus said mark chapter 9 43 if your hand causes you to stumble cut it off and you're like that's a bit radical isn't it a little bit extreme not when you understand the rest of the statement look what he says it's better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands and to go into hell where the fire never goes out we gotta decide what we believe that's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Storyteller, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.